Welcome to the Fundraising Elevator, where we're all headed up. This podcast is a production of ElevateNonprofit.com, an online learning platform for fundraising event professionals. We're coming to you today from the studios of the AV department. Please welcome our hosts, Kristen Steele and Samantha Swaim. Welcome, everyone, today. We are super excited to have Michelle Holman with Greater Giving joining us today. The guest experience of your event can be completely enhanced by how you use data before, during, and after your event, which is funny to talk about the humanness and technology that way, but we really want to bridge that gap and have people start thinking about how one really makes the other go. And Michelle has probably been, is one of the select few who has been to more events than we have. (laughs) Michelle Holman has been to literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fundraising events over the 20 plus years she has been with Greater Giving. And We want to talk to Michelle today about how technology can really enhance the humanness of your mission. So before we get to that, Sam, read the official bio of Michelle Holman, please. Well, we were just laughing because official bio or not, Michelle, Kristen, and I go back for over 20 years. We've been doing auctions together. The days. Um, And we have had the fun adventure of riding AIDS life cycle together, a bike ride from San Francisco to Los Angeles. So um, many hours spent together at events, at bike rides, on training rides. So Michelle, it is really just an honor to have you here with us today. You're just one of the best and we love you so much. And um, you are for us just like the voice and face of Greater Giving, which is one of our biggest partners We work with Greater Giving um, as a software event platform company, and you have been working with nonprofits and schools nationwide with Greater Giving since the beginning, 22 years um, ago in February. You have attended and supported more than 500 benefit auctions, and before joining Greater Giving, Michelle had chaired several benefit auctions, served on committees and advisory boards. Her experience and proven expertise has been leveraged by hundreds of nonprofits and schools to maximize their event success. She has worked with some of the nation's most highly regarded charities and auctioneers and loves to share the secret of fundraising. So Michelle, welcome to the show. We're so glad you're here to share your secrets to fundraising. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to be here with two of you. Boom. Well, let's talk about the secrets of fundraising to start off with, because I think (laughs) that um, your bio just teases us up so well. So what would you say um, are sort of the resources and tools where a tech tool or what is that moment when a tech tool can transform an event? Oh, I would say that, um, you know, looking back with my experience from the very beginning of time, as we were talking about with <laughs> beginning you know, of time. 2002, and here we all are 30 years old, right? So <laughs> Thank you. Thanks happen? for that. How could we be 30 and yes, and do this? But, um, but, you know, looking back at a tech tool, I, I truly, truly believe that you absolutely have to have it. And for the you know sake of sanity for yourself and for your staff and also for your guests and their experience, you need to have event management software. There's just no way to do this manually anymore. And I also think that it's expected at, um, at events that yeah. you are bringing an event organized and um, respecting your, your donors and their time and making sure that all of your information is in there correct. The last thing you want to do is misspell a name or um, misrepresent uh, a household. 
at the event. And just so just having the ability to be organized and having it done through the software in advance. Agree. We, you know, we are going to talk a lot today about disgust experience as a whole, but if someone doesn't know what greater giving is, I want to give them my little like two minute tutorial. And then I want to ask you a couple of like, and then Michelle's going to grade you Yes, and then she'll give her spiel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so when you are planning an event, there are so many different tools out there, but I think it's really important and kind of a key differentiator for us in using greater giving that you have a tool that's designed for event management, yeah. not a tool that's just a like tracking tool, not an Excel spreadsheet, not just a ticket sale tool, not just a um, seating tool, not just a CRM tool, but something that is designed for event management, specifically fundraising events, because the unique differentiator in the fundraising world is that we are bringing people into the event encouraging them to spend money on what I would say is like a a tab, like opening a tab at the bar, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, And we mm -hmm, then close them out at the end of the night. And so giving them a bid number to spend with doesn't mean we have to have a point of sale or cash transaction at every engagement like we would a carnival. It allows us to have activities where people raise their bid paddle or use their bid paddle and then at the end of the night close them out. But on top of that, it allows us to track things like you just said, Michelle, households and donor information and their giving history in such a profound way. But for me, that differentiator in that people can have a bid number and that we have time after the event to reconcile all of the charges and all of the expenses before we put it on their credit card is a game changer because that is what allows us to do good guest management, good donor management, and make sure that a simple data error didn't happen before we hit go on their credit card. So Greater Giving has been the tool we have used for two decades Mm -hmm. because it is that ability to essentially open a tab for the night with the donors. What would you, for someone who doesn't know Greater Giving, Michelle, what would you say is sort of like a game changer or differentiator between other organizations that have an event mode or an event module on their platform? I would say Greater Giving focuses on in-person events. More oh, than yeah. Anything. yeah. That's how we were, yeah, that's how we started the company. It was designed as auction pay for those of you yeah. that have been with us for many, many years. Mm-hmm. But um, it was designed for the guest experience by welcoming the guest, registering their credit card, putting them in the mindset of spending at that time also. So essentially it's that hotel concept like you're talking about, Sam. You're able to charge, would you like a drink by the pool? Sure, my room is 129. <laughs> uh-huh. So would you like to charge to your bid number? Um, we have a system called Storefront that you absolutely have to use for raffles because it's so important to make sure the bid number is correct when you're charging to your bid number. But essentially their bid number is attached to their credit card. So they have the ability to charge to their credit card throughout the day or the evening. The nice thing is they never have to open their wallet again. Yeah. So yeah. they're just, yeah, wall of wine, wall of whiskey, um, any sort of raffle, golden ticket, you can charge us all to their bid number. I'm bitter 149 and I would like the wall of whiskey. That sounds lovely. <laughs> the whole wall. The whole wall. Just put <laughs> me down for all wall. of it. I love, I love the wall of whiskey. If any of you out there want to know what the wall of whiskey is, please just email me after. And <laughs> love <laughs> it. Um, so, Michelle, what's interesting is, and it's come up a couple of times sort of obliquely, it, when we're talking about guest experience and a tech tool, um, and I know sort of in conversations with you, this is super important, it's about removing barriers to participation. Not only I don't have to keep opening my wallet, 
but also know me, see me, have it correct, have me householded, all of that things. I'm wondering if you can sort of speak to that theoretically for our fundraising friends and how important that is at their event. I think one of the main goals, if you if you work backwards, what you're really doing at your event is you have um, you want to learn data after the event mm-hmm. so you can improve the, the next year. And we're all improving. I still I always say, oh, why am I living and learning? I live and learn every event I go to, yeah, whether it's, it's a really good idea or it's oh maybe that w- that didn't work as well as we thought it was. We should go back to the way that we originally did it because sometimes new ideas aren't the best ideas. But, um, <laughs> but I do think that you're not reinventing the wheel year yeah. after year. So you're focusing on that data, that historical data that you you do get to focus on in greater giving. And it helps you work strategy year after year. Yeah. So as we all know, with you know, with um, staff right now and after the pandemic, there's a lot of new in-person events. Yes. And new, um, new staff that has never done an event before. But when they open up the software and they see that historical data, they're not reinventing the wheel. They can move forward with that. How how do you feel like I think that's a great sort of foray into the next thing I'm thinking about and that idea of new staff and and cultivating relationships and what that can look like and how good data can help make that happen. How can organizations set up their staff with that platform to be able to go out and continue the success of that event and those donor relationships? I'm glad you asked that question. So this is the area I'm most proud of, greater giving. We have the most amazing client service team, first class. And I would say, well, I, um, I've i been here almost 22 years. It's not uncommon to see someone that's been with us, um, you know, Siri, 20 years. We have many people that's 17, 18, yeah. but our client service team has been with us, you know, on an average of 10 years, which is unheard of with the client service team, but they're very good. They're very patient, very knowledgeable. And the nice thing about Greater Giving is you have unlimited tech support. So if you have a new staff member, you're not responsible for training them in Greater Giving. Greater Giving does that. So we have limited support through phone, through live chat, through email. We have live training um, on webinar, webinars. And then night of the event, you have 24-7 event day phone support with our client service team. We don't outsource any of that. So as far as a new person coming in to start with Greater Giving or it, with event software, I would highly, highly recommend that you start um I get phone calls all the time. We have an event in four weeks. Like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So we'd rather have you start out on the right foot, which we have we have you know plans in place to to make sure you're successful. One of which with greater giving is if you're within six months of your event, you're there's no payment due until after your first event, which is nice because you have so many other payments going up for so many other things. Yeah. But selfishly, we don't want you to worry. We don't want you yeah. to stress while you're learning the software. So I think most of our um, our very good users in greater giving, our best users in greater giving, they use our client services. Well, I know you said that you were really designed as an in-person event platform and that that's your like differentiator and expertise. And I totally agree. But I want to just put a plug in around your event services team, because when COVID hit, that was our first call. We said, how do we do this? What are the tools? What, what are the options within the software? And you all very quickly adapted to virtual online fundraising, creating new tools. You, your event service team had enough depth and expertise and knowledge 
to be able to jump in and run with us, which was amazing. And we're so grateful because I think collectively we created a lot of new tools together and help so many nonprofits to be able to continue with their fundraising, continue yeah. with their events. And at the same time, we saw so many nonprofits sort of just stop in their event fundraising. Mm-hmm. And as they're coming back to the in-person, um, one of the things that's been really impressive to me is they've been able to come back and re sort of reopen their database tool with Greater Giving and right. find that right. historical information. And like you said, so many staff have changed and so many, there's been so much evolution in the past three or four years that there is a historical record. And as we're getting started with an, any new organization, we start there because yep. the data Data tells a story and the data creates mm-hmm. sort of a guest experience for people. So thinking about the event itself, we use this buzzy word all the time, guest experience, create a good <laughs> guest experience. I know, I know. What What is a good guest experience for you? How would you define that? Like what makes yeah. for a great guest experience at an event? Well, I think, that, you know, back when we started the company, we focused on guest experience, meaning when they arrive happy they leave happy. They don't see anything going on behind the scenes. They register, which has gotten so much better over the years yeah. because yes. you're able to register them in advance through either our online payments, registration module, or even online bidding. But um, we have so many great tools right now to capture all that data. So when they arrive, they just check in. They check in with a smile on their face. No and lines. No. <laughs> oh, we don't even like that word. I know. <laughs> <laughs> And yet so, it's the like biggest struggle, right? Like you, if you or I go to an event and we're standing in line for a long period of time, we're like, oh no. What's we start going? texting each other. Yeah. Yeah. Or I start having a panic attack because <laughs> it's like, oh gosh, there's a line, there's a line. There's so many ways and you, and you both know how to get around those lines. You make sure you're staffed appropriately. You have the correct volunteers, your volunteers. Those volunteers are so important at registration. You want your most... Yeah outgoing, friendly volunteers. And um, and then there's another person that I think is probably the most important person at registration, which is either the help desk or the concierge. Yeah. Which if you have, you have somebody come to your event that perhaps is a guest of a sponsor, which is difficult to get those names. We all know that. Yes, always. <laughs> but, um, but you can just see their body language. So they come up and they say, hi, I'm Michelle Holman. And the volunteer may say, I can't find you in the system or I don't see you in the system. And you could just see their body language, their shoulders kind of come up. And it's so nice to be able to say, why don't you go see Sam? And Sam, yeah. maybe you have like a red shawl on or something that because most people have cute black dress on or something uh-huh. along those lines. So go see Sam and she'll give you a hand. And, um, and I would say that that is probably the most important person. It needs to be somebody with your organization or very familiar with that guest list. But at that point, they add them to the database, they register their card, but even more important than that, pour them a glass of wine, make them feel welcome. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. And they wine and at Reg. Yes. Not for your volunteers, wine but for your guests. Uh, yes. Not volunteers. No, not for the volunteers. <laughs> not yet. They can say you say the celebrating until after the event. Yes. Wine for the volunteers is fine after that. But um I just would highly recommend finding that person. And even to go a step further. I feel like there needs to be an information booth or you know, a Lucy, right? As somebody that mm-hmm. you go to the information booth and say, um, where, I'm a volunteer. Where's the volunteer check-in room? I am here with a band. I am a caterer. So somebody, even pre-event, 
but have them there throughout the event. It doesn't have to be the same person, but it's a go-to person. So that go-to person knows every in and out within, within the event, but also they find that if you don't have that, they're looking for the executive director. Yeah. The yeah. executive yeah. director should not be the go-to. No. They have a big job that night. Their job is to visit. Yes. So I think that um, those two roles. So did that answer your question? I think I went off on a tangent. No, those are really great details. Although I'm taking notes. I'm going to add, because we do the help station. We love the help station. It's a way to keep all the guests that were like registered and organized. We have all their data. It keeps them moving. Mm -hmm. Well, the like one conundrum that we can't figure out that isn't like in the system incorrectly or the sponsor didn't provide us a name. We can help them off to the side. We do do that and love doing that. I think we learned that from you, Michelle, but I'm going to add wine at that station. Mm. That's amazing. I love that. Uh Well, especially because, and we know this because we see all the back end and are privy to probably far too much sometimes. That guest and the experience they're having and the information we do or don't have is often of no fault of their own. Right. Oh, never. You know, that that they showed up at the right place at the right time or were told to come. Like there's a there's a whole variety of reasons for why that that record may not be complete or we may not have that information. And so I think if it is set up at the top that somehow they are carrying the burden for that. You have just tanked Mm -hmm. their experience of the event until you can get them back if you get them back. The wine might be a good start, but you have to, you're working uphill at that point instead of leaning into them wanting to be there, engaged, Mm -hmm. supportive. Yeah. Well, you you do, that's that's their welcome registration, right? So that's why it's important to have the correct volunteer there. It's, you know, the the solutions person. Even um, more importantly, can I add one quick thing yeah. about our RSVP feature? So we have this uh, feature called RSVP, which I absolutely love because we all know that's the hurdle, getting the guest, mm-hmm. yep. uh, the sponsor's name. And again, it's no fault, like you were saying, Kristen, no fault of anyone's really. It's not really even the fault of the sponsor. They're trying to reach out yep. to donors that they yeah. feel will spend money, that will support their cause. And perhaps somebody calls them at the last minute and says they can't make it. But this RSVP feature in Greater Giving, let's just use um, Umqua Bank as an example. So you have Umqua Bank as your sponsor, and you put that in the software. And maybe your contact Umqua Bank is Katie Umqua Bank. So Greater Giving's already created an email for you. It also creates a unique URL for Umqua Bank. So at that point, you send Katie the email, because if you rely on somebody to create the email that take a couple of days, <laughs> right. Right? So, or a week, or never, but... Um, but at the same time, it's got the unique URL where they forward this to all their guests, yep. for their guests to imp- their information, which then integrates back to the software and also allows them to put their credit card on file at that time as well. That's great. Yeah, that customization, I think, mm-hmm. is a differentiator for you all. And it's, you know, we talk about the line, we talk about the guest experience. These are all seemingly little things that I think that organizations can get mired in. Yep. You know, the the line itself is the number one question that we get phone calls. Like, how do we get rid of lines? It was so stressful. Oh, and yeah. that, you know, having good data, having customized tools that people yep. can get their own URL and add and change. I mean, especially now, we're getting so many organizations that are sold out full house, 300, yeah. 400 yep. people. And then the week of the event, there's been, you know, an exposure, a flu virus going around. And all of a sudden we get 
this person is switching out for that person and this person is coming instead, this person's not coming, that the ability for the table host to manage that list and to click through and make those changes, it's it's a really a powerful way to take the workload off the organization, but still assure information is correct and that the that the guest has a good experience. Well, and we mm-hmm. often sit in the seat of judgment around like if they would just give <laughs> me these names, it would be fine. But like we're dropping into their life and our event is literally is on a their blip. radar. Yeah. <laughs> it is all we are doing right now. Uh-huh. So we're contextualizing everything with that same amount of like flurry, but it is not for them. And so I think that's where technology and humanity and relationships can work in combination with each other, where if we're eliminating road bumps and creating ease and allowing people to actually connect with their guests, and we have the tool for them to do that in a really easy way, that makes it that much easier to happen. Yeah, I agree. It's funny that you say that, Kristen, because when I chair an event, I feel like this is my life, so it's everyone's life. Yes. <laughs> Why are you not answering my email? <laughs> this is so important. <laughs> it's true. But, it's true. But even with our, um, oh, you know, our guide dogs with the blind, we all three work on that. And, you know, they love to have name tags. Yeah. yeah. So it's so important to be able to have that name yep. and that table number and that bidder number them as they arrive and the name spelled correctly. And so I think that that's what you know, the RSVP feature will ensure that it's not foolproof. You're still going to have somebody show up mm-hmm. and say that they're, you know, Kristen and they're really Sam and Kristen, you know, taking the place for Sam because we're human. Yep. But at least we're not dealing with the, you know, 40%. We're only dealing with maybe five to 10% yep. of having to add those names. Well, you touched on something that is how does data intertwine with guest experience? And I think um, when it goes wrong, it's very visible, right? Like when we and have memorable. And memorable. Not only, not only visible, but very, very memorable. <laughs> when we have their name wrong on their name yep. badge, when we have, you know, their seat um, misassigned and all of a sudden there's 15 people assigned to a table of 10. Um, when, you know, a group arrives and it has a different group's name on the table, all of those are things that the donor walks away with and remembers. Yep. But when it's done well and it's clean data, it's it's not the talking point. And that's, I, to me, that's what the is the goal because yep. it makes the event the talking point, yep. the message, the mission, the organization, not the dysfunction, but the professionalism. And I think that um, it's funny. I have two stories, Michelle, that you'll just die. I was um, at an I was at an event. And this is the same donor. I feel so I feel so bad for this donor because he's very involved. Goes to a lot of events and a lot of events that we produce. Um, but he was standing clearly in a long line. I don't even know what the event was. And texted me at home. He didn't know I was home. And he said, "How do I get out of this line?" <laughs> because oh, he no. he knew that no. it was going to be a long night, and he had just been. Standing there for so long and I had to say I'm so sorry I'm not at whatever event you're at I don't even know what event it is and then that same donor at the same event went to his table and he had a table of 12 um he had purchased a king table which is like a bigger table and they had seated him at a table of 10 even though he had you know, guests standing there with him with no chair. And they played this kind of like funny game of um, musical chairs. And then he took his two guests without seats that lost the game and took them over to registration and said, fix it. And the poor volunteers at registration were so frustrated. And I wasn't even at the event and I've heard this story. So it becomes, it becomes the talking point when it's done poorly 
But when it's, it's done well, yeah. it's like invisible to our donors, right? That's and I cool. think that that's such a critical reason to have, as you said, Michelle, at the beginning, an event software that is designed for that purpose. Um, are there other sort of stories or examples where you see that like the good data really creates or makes or breaks the guest experience? I think one of them is, you know, guests are very forgiving, right? With like a meal choice. Oh, sure. But like you're mentioning with the table assignments or even um, it's, it's tough because a lot of times we don't know or just say it's a school and it was, you know, parents coming to the event that are married and then the following year not married any longer. <laughs> so you know those things um database can't really fix those until unless you know that yeah. information right so you have to be a little bit forgiving of yourself when you're working in the software if if that perhaps happens but trying your best to make sure those names are spelled correctly that's that's a big deal for me i had a my maiden name was mcush and so it was m-a-c Capital C U I S H. I had to spell it every single day I said my name. So <laughs> for me, it's important to spell somebody's name that has a different name. Yeah. Right? You know, a, a unique name. So um, I do think even table assignments, um, RSVP feature with the, the meal choices, as I mentioned, they're forgiving with that. But um, the guest experience with the software also is the end of the event. So <laughs> yes. Yeah, item pickup. So item pickup, that could be chaos. And if anyone has ever ever been to an event where it was chaos, they remember that. Yeah. yeah. What they try and do is they try and leave early. They try and rush the line. Yeah. So um, so there's a couple of ways to handle that, but you don't want them to leave early because when they're leaving, usually the silent closes before the live start. It's one of the best practices that we follow. And then you have your live and your fund need. Well, when they're having their dinner, the live and the fund need their silent is closed, that they will leave, go check out early. Right. Yep. Yeah. And then they come back and they tell their friend, hey, there's no line. You got to uh -huh. go now. So now you have that person leaving too. That's where you, you're live, you're fun to need. You don't want them out in the hallway picking up their items. Second, third, what it really does is it does a disservice to everyone else because yeah. your item pickup volunteers have everything they need plan and prepare for organized item pickup. We have a report, the sales listing by supporter, that gives them every ability to have it completely organized. If you allow those other guests to go in there and pick up their items early, they're behind. So they're not going to be ready for when the guests yep. truly are ready to leave. So we even go as far as to have signage. We love signage, but okay. having signage, <laughs> signage that um, item pickup opens at 9.15. No exceptions, please. You can say it in a nice way and probably to provide you with VIP service or however you want to word it. But really, unless somebody has an emergency, there's really no need for them to be in that line. And it really can create chaos on the back end. So that leaves your guest with that last impression of waiting in a line for item pickup. Yep. Well, we're going to take a short promotional break, but when we come back, I want to dive more into some of those tips because you just gave kind of a wealth of treasure mm -hmm. trove of tips. And I want to give the the nonprofit planner a couple of those best practices. So um, we'll take a short break and we'll be back with Michelle Holman. At Elevate, we believe in bringing people together. Our online learning platform for fundraising events has webinars, workshops, downloadable tools, and more designed to save you time and stress when planning your next event. 
We're getting nonprofit, development, and event planning professionals the tools and ideas they need to create events that inspire donors and raise more money. So join us at elevatenonprofit.com. The link is also in our show notes. Events have a unique power to create an immersive experience for your donors and your mission. That's why we created the Elevate Conference, to teach you the tools for planning a successful fundraising event. Join us for Elevate 2024 on February 1st and 2nd. This hybrid fundraising conference will be hosted at Avenue in Portland, Oregon, and broadcast online for a virtual audience. You'll get practical tools, demos, and templates you can implement right now. Join us. The Elevate Conference is a production of ElevateNonprofit.com and is presented by Swaim Strategies and the AV Department. To find out more and register, visit ElevateNonprofit.com today. Welcome back to the Fundraising Elevator. We're here with Michelle Holman of Greater Giving, one of our partners in event software and platform Let's just say tools. crime. Let's I just know. put it out partners there. One of our crime. partners in crime. I love it. Crime. Yeah. Well, well, before the break, Michelle, you just gave like a treasure trove uh-huh. of information. It's so true. I want to like digest it down for the person who is on the f- like on the ground implementation. Mm-hmm. So check out can be its own messy wicket for the guest experience. And the funny thing is, is that People spend so much time on their food, the entertainment, their program, and lack the attention to the check-in and check-out process. And yet that's the first and the last impression the donor has. So let's talk about the last impression the donor has. The first thing that you just said that I think is so brilliant is that you, your best practice is to have signage up. Um, that really clearly kind of turns people away until (laughs) programming is over. So you keep the audience focused on the program. Um, And one of our, we have adopted a similar best practice. We always have just a simple checkout opens at nine so that we know it's opening after the program. But also one of our best practices is if the program ends early or if we're ready and it's just a dance party and it's not quite nine, but we're ready to go, we just simply turn those over or pull them. And so the sign goes away and now registration is open. Oh, good idea. Yes. So what are other, when you are helping an organization prep, auction package pickup, (laughs) you just flagged as it can be a crazy moment where the train goes off the tracks. What is your advice for the new planner who's like, oh my gosh, I have 80 auction packages. How do I do this? Well, I would say, and and feel free to, if you have a, a better way of doing this, but I would, um, we have a report called the Bid03 report, which you probably know it as. Oh, yes. The sales by supporter. And I would go off of that report because it shows every purchase made by that bidder, a package number so that you're able to go collect the package and put it into bitter bag or into a section and so when that person comes up it says hi michelle holman i'm bam swain my bitter number is 150 they're just handed the bag full of anything they just if it fits but most importantly those gift certificates so i don't know if you've been to any events where you see people hovered over a file yes and everybody's things are flying and and all of a sudden somebody gets the wrong gift certificate that's not good that's not yeah. good to, you know, to have to call somebody after the event. I'm sorry, you got the wrong bottle of wine. I'm sorry, you got the wrong certificate. It's really important. I was at one event. This is so funny. Um, 
I was at one event and we did have a line at checkout. I'm thinking, how did that happen? There's no way that we could have a line. And I went down and this gentleman took his position very seriously. He wanted to see a form of ID before you pick up your options. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it was cute. I mean, he really took it seriously. So, but you don't need to do that. You, you <laughs> just need a better number. You just get cute, you get your but no. Number. <laughs> it shows also on that report if they're express checkout, mm-hmm. if they're going to pay by check, if um, and if they haven't paid yet. Yeah. There's at times sometimes people come in and they don't know if they're going to purchase something, and so they wait till after. And so you could either run their card at that time or register their card, or um. We don't see that much cash anymore, but a check from them at that time too. So I would say this practice is to, to organize it by packages. Is that how you recommend? Yeah, yeah. we also okay. organize by package because I think that um, the thing to remember so often is that we have volunteers that are yeah. managing package pickup and they are not intimately associated with those packages. So right. I, you know. Or with the donors, or with the donors, which is often the piece that comes up. Hi, yeah. I'm so-and-so and I bid on X. And it's like, who? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I think that the the issue that you raise with they got the wrong wine bottle or they got the wrong, <laughs> that can be a big one. You know, we have, yeah, we've had a situation with Nikes where it was like there were two different Nikes. One was, uh, you know, $800 pair of shoes and the other one was a $6,800 pair of shoes and they went to the wrong donor because the volunteer saw Nike and grabbed the pair of Nikes he saw that we always ask our volunteers to just focus on the package number. And one of the last things we do at an auction before the guests arrive in the like displays and the setup is that we go around and make sure every item in that package has a package number on it that's visible to a volunteer who would just be quickly grabbing it. Especially if you've done this beautiful display, let's say the wine is all displayed out and it's gorgeous and you only pick up six of the 12 bottles and take them to check out. And then the other six bottles are floating and people don't know where they belong. That is a really like easy fix is just making sure every single item was labeled. So it's really clear. Oh, those are all package 21, you know, so that packaging and labeling, I think, is important. I don't think you can over label. So nope. yeah. You can, yeah, I I really feel like you were saying, even the wall of wine, you know, if you don't want to give the bottle to the guests to take to their table for fear they're going to open it and that's not allowed at the venue, they're taking that back to item pickup. Every single bottle needs to, or every single package needs yeah. to be labeled. And so whether it's, you know, in greater giving, we have items and we have packages and items are really your inventory. So a lot of times people will label the item. And then they'll go ahead and label the package. You want to make sure you pull that item number off. Yeah. yeah. And so people don't confuse that. Just like when you're assigning numbers and table numbers, bid numbers should always be three digits, table numbers two, because you don't want somebody bidding off of their table number. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't happened in a while. But <laughs> but in a while, but it has. That's yeah. 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 The other yeah. thing you said were bags at checkout. And our yeah. other tip at checkout is we actually throw one of the silent auction tables in front of the 
doorway so that the guest has to stop at a station and talk to the volunteer versus uh, just walking in and helping themselves, which we've seen people do. They've like, you know, marched right in and been like, that's mine. And then, you know, in the case of like the Nikes, they grabbed the wrong one. It happens all the time. And so we create a barrier of they have to talk to the volunteer and then the volunteer runner goes and gets all their items. So I think that's an important element just to keep it really clean, really streamlined. Um, Greater Giving also has another tool that's helpful in the checkout process, which is the gift certificate generator. Um, you know, yes, we get yes. items all the time donated that don't come with a gift certificate. If, you know, Michelle lives in Hawaii and is donating her vacation home in Hawaii, <laughs> Michelle probably doesn't have a, a gift certificate that she issues for that. So that opportunity to click in the software and say these 16 items I need to generate a gift certificate for and Greater Giving generates that is also sort of a key element for how I think the tool helps to create a smooth checkout versus them coming and saying, well, I don't know, you'll have to call later. (laughs) Oh, you don't want to do that. (laughs) And even with our online item donation form, which is on the event site where you'll have, you know, your event site is basically to market your event of your save the date, who, when, you know, where it's going to be, all the details, and then your ticket sales, sponsorship opportunities, and then item donation form. So one of the things that I like to do on the item donation form is have a section with item delivery that Mm. will say, I will deliver this to Secret High School. I will, um, I need someone to pick this up because it's uh, maybe an e-bike. I need a gift certificate or I will get my own gift certificate. That right there can save countless phone calls yes or yeah or either staff or volunteers so that is one of my favorite features we've had it for a very very long time i know when i was running my my kids school auction that was my favorite feature that saved me so much time yeah it's funny i was a guest at an event recently and um when i was leaving i went to go pick up i had a wine bottle that i was that i won that i went to go pick up and instead of handing me the wine bottle because the volunteers hadn't been prepped with packages they were handing out the development director's uh business card and i thought oh my gosh i think they've handed out a hundred of those and this development director is going to have to deal with all the phone calls when it's probably like a box of gift certificates and a couple bottles Mm -hmm. of wine that are stashed behind registration i like i so wanted to go wander around and see if i could find the items for them mm-hmm. because I thought that oh, development yeah. director is going to be spending all her time answering these phone calls. But oh, yeah, that guess. Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm no. sorry. That's all part of you know, one of the things I wanted to bring up was volunteers. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, oh, is it okay to bring that up now? Please. Yes. Volunteers are amazing. The volunteers. Yeah. They are amazing. And I don't know how events run without volunteers. They, they don't. really, truly. <laughs> they just um, don't. Yeah, they simply don't. <laughs> if you have 10, you probably need more. So. Yeah. <laughs> but um, volunteers, it, it's so important to make sure those volunteers understand what they're going to be doing, any restrictions, timing. And in greater giving, you can do that. You can do that through volunteer registration. I feel like um, with the events I've uh, I would say one of the events I went to recently, um, volunteers, they just didn't know where they were supposed to be at any given time. And mm-hmm. so that created a hurdle. 
no one's fault again, but the volunteers, I think that if you tell them, um, you know, sign up, don't give them a long volunteer period of time. They could, they, they could do you know, 5.30 to 6.30 or 5.30 to 7.30 registration and let them go enjoy themselves. Where's the volunteer check-in room? Where's the volunteer dinner? Where do I put my handbag? Just showing the utmost gratitude and respect for your volunteers yeah. because once they receive that and they obviously know your organization and love your organization, they're going to come back year after year. You're not training that volunteer over and over again because they know what to do. So um, one organization that does such an amazing job with their volunteers is uh, Providence Festival of Trees. Mm, yeah. Yes. That is, I just went to that event on Friday and oh my heavens, they are, it, first of all, if you have not been to that event, that is the most wonderful event, beautiful and puts you in the Christmas spirit. But that is, they, they create a city. And that city yeah. is created by volunteers. Yeah. But you have to make sure that someone like me doesn't have to carry out a you know 200 pound TV, which yeah. I don't uh-huh. like to use yeah. anymore. But yeah. <laughs> treat. <laughs> but um, but just to let them know and keep them informed and then show your appreciation for those volunteers. Well, and I think the thing that we need to remember, especially because we just said events don't run without volunteers, right. which is true. Yes. The other piece we need to remember is that those volunteers by and large, especially if they're working registration and checkout, they touch every one of your major donors. Yeah. Yeah. They are acting as an ambassador for your organization. They are talking to and either making a great experience for or a confusing experience yeah. for your donors and and they are it's it's in how they're set up yeah. so we can eliminate that confusion or passing along frustration to our donors if we set our volunteers up for success and that comes around clarity of communication exactly. just like you were talking about but i think sometimes we forget that yeah. you know we have the development director and the executive director and board of directors out moving through the room and theoretically right not doing all of the things yeah. they're moving Hopefully through the they're room they're not locked behind the registration right. station they're they're moving through the room and they're cultivating relationships. But right. the right. other people that you have doing those jobs at your event are also cultivating your relationships. Yes. And so I think that's a really, really strong point you bring up, Michelle, about the importance of volunteers getting the right people into the right job and giving them what they need to feel successful. Yeah. Right, right. You know, a raffle, you know, you've got a raffle. We have a system called Storefront, which I love, and it's mostly charge into your bid number and goes directly into a storefront and then there goes directly to their invoice. But um, you want to have the right people that are selling those raffle tickets. You want to have the outgoing, the true believers in your cause, mm-hmm. because even though they don't have to talk about it, they, your guests can see how much they love the cause and how excited they are to be out there promoting and helping to raise funds. But um, again, it's just finding the right people for the right position. Yeah. Yep. Well, and 67% of volunteers become donors. And so there's, I I think, an important element, too, of how we treat our donors or how we treat our volunteers impacts if they become donors. And uh, you mentioned something that they can work a shift and then be released into the event and go have fun. I That is a best practice that we yeah. follow at every event, which is, mm-hmm. you know, once you're, we always have sort of a lead person that is managing each sort of different area of the event. And so the volunteers have someone to check in with. But when they are complete, that lead releases them and then they have a table assignment and we try to seat every guest if, or every volunteer. If we have a situation where the event has sold out and there's a wait list and we can't do that, 
then we tell them how they can participate, that we have a volunteer room for them. We actually just had an event that had that situation, and all the volunteers had a volunteer room with box lunches, and they had a broadcast of the event happening in that room so they could still see the event and participate in it. Um, And we put up there once the event was sort of at the place where most of our volunteers were done and released. We took wine up there too, so that they could enjoy and have a good time and not feel like they couldn't be a part of the fun. So figuring out ways to integrate our volunteers, I think is an important element to cultivating them and bringing them into the organization. Yeah. And and a special thank you after the event, whether that be maybe a volunteer or, you know, just just a nice heartfelt letter. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. You appreciated what they did. They do come back because they, they do love it. Yeah. So I, volunteers are special people. That's for sure. They're, yeah, they're very giving. They're tied to your organization. And Sam, I didn't know that, but 67% come down, become donors, which yeah. that's wonderful. So put them in your system. Put yeah. them in your database. I know. Oh, the <laughs> gosh. Number. Yes. We always yes. give them a better number. It's funny because sometimes a volunteer will be surprised that we've given them a better number. And then they will be like, oh. Can I buy a raffle ticket? Yes, you can. <laughs> we want you to be able to participate. So um, giving the volunteers um, and a bid assignment, a seat assignment, if there is a possibility, or at least a way to participate in the program moves them into being a donor for the organization. Hey, that's wonderful. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about um, sort of some of the aspects of greater giving from the vantage point of problem solving, meaning I feel like our non our nonprofit development friends sit in a seat where a lot, it's kind of like whack-a-mole, you know, where like the problems <laughs> pop up, they get one solved, they pop. But often when we look at something like greater giving that's complex and that is really trying to achieve a lot of different aspects of, of eventing for folks, um, people don't always connect the, the solution with the problem that they have, right? And so I'm wondering if you can talk about some of the pieces of greater giving from the vantage point of what it can solve for our nonprofit friends. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that um, I recently realized is how important it is for reconciliation. Mm. So you have the reporting on the back end. Greater giving is a very, very robust system. So there's well over 150 reports in the software, probably things that you would never even imagine meeting we <laughs> offer, or you can do save searches on, on your own. But, um, but at the same time, reconciliation, nine times out of 10, you're not going to have that thousand piece puzzle that you had before because you've got cards on file. But there are things that happen. There's staff accounts. There are people that want to be invoiced. There's somebody that perhaps donated um, a large dollar amount in the fund to need, and they have a card on file, yeah. and they would prefer to write you a check or, yeah. the, or use their DAF account. So one of the um, best practices that I have and relate to my clients is after the event, there's no need to hurry and rush and charge those cards. First of all, if your event is either on a Friday or Saturday, we don't want you doing anything on that Sunday because you're tired and you're going to make mistakes. So Monday, get back to the software, run those reports, run highest to lowest, see who has a card on file that perhaps you need to call or thank them, let them know that we have your card on file. Is it okay to charge this Mm -hmm. or would you prefer to use your DAF account? Because a lot of times the night of the event, they're not thinking about that type of thing. Put their card on file way in advance. 
they're not thinking that, oh, I have my, my card on file and I want to change it to another card because I bought a big truck. So I think with reconciliation, that's super important. The other thing is um, sending out thank yous. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's, um, I can't tell you how many times I talk to people and they're, they're like, oh my gosh, my event was six months ago. I haven't sent my thank yous. <laughs> And, uh, and, and it, bo you know, it bothers people and they, you know, they lay awake at night thinking about it. You can get those thank you letters out in you know, a week in Greater Giving. They come right out of the software and you can do it with hard copy and you can have people sign them or you can do, um, you can do a, a nice email with the, the um, voice attached to that or the receipt attached to that. There's so many different options. But getting that thank you out, really, for the staff at least, at least they, they get a good night's sleep at night after they send them yes. out. And it is, it is so important to get that out in a timely manner. I know when I go to events and I get a thank you letter within two weeks after the event, I'm like, wow, that's really great. Good that's job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, there's this magic moment at every event. It is my favorite moment at the event. But it's a magic moment that we often don't share with our donors. And that is at the end of the night when all the guests have checked out and you've reconciled and you have a total, total, not yeah, like an yeah. estimate, not ball, a guess. The ballparky on the fly mm -hmm. with back but of the napkin math. Real yes. number, real total, total. And you walk up to the development team that's been working so hard on it and you give them that number. And even, even when you have an event that, you know, may not have performed to goal. When you have raised a bunch of money, that is exciting. Mm -hmm. yes, when you've exceeded it, exciting. it's even more exciting, right? And that is something that we rarely share with our donors. And so we work with Habitat for Humanity in a couple of different chapters around the country. And one of the chapters um, that night, they had a fundraising event where they announced their appeal total when they had done their appeal. But when you add it up, their sponsorship, their ticket sales, their live yeah. auction, their yeah. raffles, they had tripled that. And so when we were done at the very end of the night, everyone was loading out. We were closing up. I sat down with the development director and I said, this is the greater giving email blast that we're going to send to all guests right now. And she looked at her watch and she looked at, well, she looked at her cell phone, which was her watch and saw a text from her husband that he had just gotten home. And she's like, if my husband just got home, most other guests are just getting home. Can we send this right now? And can I write something in it? And I said, yes. And she sat down and just wrote, oh, period, my period, God, period. <laughs> you would not believe what we just did. We just finished reconciling the event. And not only did we have an incredible celebration with you all, but here's the total that you made possible. And then it was the form letter from Greater Giving about thank you and your receipt is attached. And we're so appreciative of having you here. And the next Monday, I mean, that event was on a Saturday. And on Monday, yeah. when I followed up to notify the client of here's a couple of things you need to follow up on and here's the outstanding invoices to pay and the outstanding charges. Right. They said that they just got a flood of responses back from people like, oh my God, I'm so glad to know that. Congratulations. It was such an amazing night. So great to be a part of. And it took her two minutes. It was authentic. It was in the moment. It shared that little magic moment together. So I love that. I like the the idea that Kristen is asking about like problems that greater giving solves. I think that that ability to be customize and to be sort of guest forward and thinking about your donors is not yeah. something that like 
an online ticket platform offers, but this is a tool that is designed with the donor in mind. And it, it's removing the barriers for you to continue that relationship. Yes. It's what you're talking mm-hmm. about in your examples too, Michelle. It's sort of like, how do we more quickly circle back around to say thank you, to connect to the donors. I mean, it might feel like busy work to be like, oh, Joe gave $25,000. I wonder if I should charge this credit card. But I guarantee you what, if Joe doesn't want that credit card charged, he's going to remember that moment that you called, that you looked, you saw him as a donor, you saw him contextually and decided... I'm going to call just to check in. And you know what? That gives you another opportunity to thank him. It gives you another opportunity to say, hey, we've got some more exciting news coming up. I can't wait to reach out and talk to you about it. It's instead of these being barriers, we can see them as opportunities. And the technology brings the volume down. I don't have to go figure out how to design a MailChimp right? Yes. Newsletter yes. about all this stuff. It, it's a, it's built in, it's customized fields. And then you can put your stamp on it and get that out and have people get okay. that instant response to their generosity. Right, right. I love that email, class, Sam. I love that idea because we have, as you know, with online bidding, you have the ability of um, sending out a text message, right? Yes. So, the text message is great, but it doesn't sound like it's heartfelt. Right. right. It's a blast. So it's, it's better than not sending something out. But <laughs> I think that the email blast, I love that idea. Yeah. yeah, it just, it made a big impact for them. And I think, you know, we sometimes get to an end of an event and think, oh my God, how are we going to do that again next year or do better next year? And it's, if you continue to build off of the relationship and that's what that moment did was it allowed them to continue the build. People left, they'd gone home, they're just, and she even said, I know you're getting ready to go to bed, but I just had to share with you yep. that she, she was very aware of where her donors were in the moment. And it just made for kind of a quick special outreach. Yep. So you get calls, Michelle, all the time from organizations all around the country. And we understand yeah. that like regionally, there's different cultures around auctions and giving and, right. and fundraising. But what is the number one question that you get when organizations are calling you? What's the big like I need to solve question that you are always advising folks on? Um, I would say I would say it's registration. Yeah, <laughs> I, would say, you know, I would say that they, they want to create a a great guest experience. And yeah. I would say it's registration. The other is um, reporting the reconciliation. But yep. I would say that the biggest hurdle, and I tell them I'd much rather see you with, uh, you know, a board volunteer in the line. Yeah. So just, you know, just always, if you can get as many people as you can at registration. But I do think that they also are looking for historical data. So if somebody has, let's say they're using Excel spreadsheets, which there still are people out there, yeah. sheets, Excel. And, um, the nice thing about greater giving is we have a, a easy import client services to help you map your fields to put that data in the system. Last year's data is probably the most important and greater giving doesn't care how far you go back and go back, you know, 10 years, but at least the previous year or the current year's information into the software that so you can build off of that is I think one of the hurdles, one of the things yeah. that they come to us with. And we've got, you know, we've got data, we've got sticky notes. Binders and binders. Yes. Binders that flew off the back of the car. Yeah. Oh, that was, you know, I did go to an event and this was um, one of the most heartwarming events. This event was in Santa Rosa. We went from 150 to 350 people. Wow. And it was mostly solely based on the founder. 
and the mm -hmm. work she had done year round and the love that everybody had for her. Amazing. Fran. And so people would come in, they'd say, are you a friend of Fran? And then all of a sudden, like, yes, I am a friend of Fran. <laughs> <laughs> I love Fran as much as you all do. But they had a great mix of fun and fundraising and by the time she left, she had sold her tables. She was sold out as far as sponsorships for the next year. Wow. So little things like that. If you don't, you don't have software, you can't track that information yep. year after year after year. And so that's one of the biggest questions is yeah, registration, but also I need historical data. I need to build off of that from my previous year. Well, then if registration is the number one question you get, I want to give just a couple of quick tips and advice before we take a break, which is sure. um, you said the right volunteers. Um, yeah. We always recommend that you have at least one for every, like one check-in station for every 75 guests. Yeah. If you can have yeah. more, that's even better. Um, yeah. We also recommend that that volunteer be comfortable on a computer when you recruit them, because I think that if they're uncomfortable from the jump, it's a it's a rough go for them. So we always want to make sure that they feel confident and comfortable in that role. And then right. we give them a pretty robust training that day so that they have fresh, relevant information. And then the second, the la or sorry, the second piece of that training, the last thing that we do is we ask them to check each other in and then to check all the other volunteers in. So by the time guests are arriving, they've already had four or five practice rounds. So they've all checked right. in several people. They've all had a, a sort of go. We always set up that help station. That always makes a big difference that they're only there for the troubleshooting purposes. They're not also registering right. guests. And then that last component is that we make sure that there's one person floating that can troubleshoot so that when a volunteer has like my screen froze, I don't know what to do, or I don't know how to get the the question, the information that they're right. asking, right. Um, that person who understands the software can just over their shoulder quickly help them get it versus having to like move them to another system. So we always have a floater that is knowledgeable with the software. We do that in-person training with dress rehearsal for them to register a few folks before. And then we always make sure there's enough bodies there. Which means all your volunteers are then registered as bidders yes. and can go out. That's how exactly. that happens. They, yep. Yes. Yes. They're happy. What about tables, Sam? Do you, um, do you recommend high or higher tables mm. so you're talking to person versus them reaching down and you screaming up because registration could get really noisy. Yeah, it's interesting. It depends absolutely on accessibility for your event. Yep. I okay. think that having raised tables is helpful for the audio. Like you can hear people better, but I also think it leads to challenges that if you have someone that isn't at a raised table height, if they come in in a wheelchair, they're not at the like 42 oh, yes. inch height, it, right, it reduces right. accessibility. So I think yeah. one of the things we done is alternating or we've had like one lower station and two raised stations so that if someone okay. is having challenges with hearing they can go where they can speak to someone who's at the same level and people right. naturally I think can see that's a better option for them or yeah. if someone needs a lower access point then we also have that as well as our volunteers like we want to make sure our volunteers are comfortable so the lower tables sometimes are a more comfortable environment for the volunteer where the raised table sometimes their feet are dangling or they're standing right. they're so, standing yep. yeah. yeah yeah it's it yeah. but i always recommend 
that the tables are straight. We talked, Mary was on talking about different software platforms and registration, and she talked about the importance of not having L shapes or different locations where people have to like try to figure out where to go. That L shape is such a weird thing because someone goes. Do not do check in by letters of the alphabet. No. Every no. station should be able to help Every. anyone. Yes. yes. Come for serve, right? Yep. Yes. Yep. So yes. that ability to easily just like get access is yep. the key piece. Well, um, we're going to take a short promotional break. And when we come back, Michelle, we're going to ask you to jump on the fundraising elevator with us and take a ride up to the penthouse. Okay. So we'll be yeah. back in just a moment with <laughs> Michelle Holman. The fundraising elevator is recorded at the AV department in Portland, Oregon. For years, they've been our trusted partner, delivering exceptional audiovisual production and videography for nonprofits. In 2020, they transformed into a dynamic live streaming studio, producing more than 900 virtual and hybrid events. Now, we embark on an exciting journey together to bring you this podcast. Seeking the best in live events, video production, and live streaming? We proudly recommend our friends at the AV department. Link in the episode description. Loving the fundraising elevator, but wondering how you can talk to Sam and Kristen? Well, now's your chance to do it. Book one-on-one consulting time with Swain Strategies experts, Sam, Kristen, and Mary, and get all your event questions answered. Our team has you covered on strategic planning, fundraising strategy, storytelling, data tools, and registration support. Get the tools and the help you need to make the most impact at your fundraising event. Book at elevatenonprofit.com. The link is also in our show notes. Welcome back. We are here with Michelle Holman, a long, long, long time partner in crime from Greater Giving. In the event world, she attends more events than we do and has a really great vantage point. It's true. And I think it's great because not only do you have a a vantage point on your technology and how it's working at events, but you also have that sense of events and event attendance and guests and all of those pieces and how that goes. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the Greater Giving Digital Thermometer and sort of how that's being utilized and what that looks like at, for planners at events these days. Of course, thank you for asking. So the thermometer in greater giving is used for um, different ways. So a lot of times organizations will use it just for the fund to need. Mm-hmm. They'll use it for the fund to need and then they'll add the live and they're add, adding the silent and the raffles. So it really depends on how they want to use it. One thing I like about the thermometer is that um, with the thermometer, it's customizable. So, and it's very, very customizable. So your look, your feel, your colors. And then one thing that we did learn through the pandemic was this is the area where most of the money is raised. And so with most organizations. So instead of using the word goal on your thermometer, use funds raised. Mm. So you're not that person on the back end as staff says, oh my goodness, we have two more levels to go and we're nearly hitting our goal. So we don't want our guests to think, oh, they're good. Don't need to donate. They're, you know, they're going to meet their goal. So, and they raise the, they raise the goal. 
the middle of the event. So you don't want to be that person or you don't want to do that. So funds raised gives you the ability to, the sky's the limit. Yeah. And you're actively showing that collective action. Which I just think is so powerful. It's funny, pre-COVID, we never would have used a thermometer and uh, because we thought it set a limit. And now I'm seeing that it really creates that sense of like collective action in a way that has really mobilized giving. And people will will give to see their name on the board. They will give to see their like... We've had organizations where folks will give three, four times just to keep seeing their name recognized. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So it's been a or at each school. level. Like yeah. folks will sort of do at each level to. Yes, and- some people do. Some people will do the, let's say they do the $1,000 level and then there's a dollar for dollar match at the 250 or 100. And so they do that too. Yeah. So it's, it's my favorite time of the night. It gives me chills. It does. It because you just, yeah, it's like everyone in the room is there to give. And they're happy to give. And so it's it's fun to watch. And you can acknowledge them. If somebody doesn't want to be acknowledged, you can put them as anonymous. If, um, say, you have somebody that can't attend the event, you can also add them as the, yeah. you know, as the evening yeah. goes. You can add them as well. And then we also, on the um, thermometer, we have what we call the gratitude reel, which is, for some reason, I can't say that. <laughs> it's a gratitude reel. It takes an extra step to put a donor's name there. I personally would rather see your sponsor's logos. At yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, because the more exposure you can give your sponsors, the more they'll come back to you in the future too. And there's a lot of room for exposure for sponsors with greater giving in multiple places. But I, I would rather see that on the gratitude reel yeah. than the name. And then it's uh, funds raised. That is one of the, the tips and the best practices that I give these days because goals are being met and and surpassed. Yeah. So thank nice goodness for that. Say, yeah, yeah. And then um and then we do have a um an auctioneer display board. So the auctioneer display board is nice because if an auctioneer, let's say um say it's someone like you know Dale, very, you know um what's the word I want to I'm looking for. Um, enigmatic yeah yeah he's really just yeah I know who you are yes he gets up there and all of a sudden oh my goodness I know that person but I don't remember their name yes so they can he can just push in 150 oh that's that's Sam Swain thank you so much Sam so it's just um it's it's nice to have that at their fingertips not all of them use it it was a request from the auctioneers Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think that the recognition piece is the most important element. And we actually, we have an episode coming up where we're going to dive deeper into that paddle raise special appeal moment because it's such a critical moment. But to do that and do it well, the tools are necessary. The bid paddles are necessary. And then that like collective action that we see in the thermometer is making an impact. But when you have a really good fundraising host, a really good auctioneer who really knows what they're doing, If they understand how to use the tool, more tools are better. And so giving them that resource, it allows them in the moment. I mean, we had an episode recently that just aired with Dale Johannes. He's a great fundraising host and auctioneer. And he told a a wonderful story about someone um, asking him to buy his socks because he was looking, the donor was looking for a moment of levity in the, in the event because it was a very heavy topic and they were raising money for kids that had experienced abuse. And the donor just wanted this like moment of levity. So he bought his socks. And then the next year, the donor walked up to him and was like, I'm looking at those socks. And immediately Dell's like, 
oh, this is a thing. And we are friends now. And now we have a history. And now I need to make sure that I'm getting his name right. And so having that ability to quickly yes. reference that is just yes. so powerful. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a fun story. Well, it is great. And he, you know, now he has a whole, it's become a running joke with him. He has a whole sock collection because he knows at any given time someone might buy his socks. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, we want to wrap up by stepping into the fundraising elevator and inviting you up to the penthouse with us. We always like to talk about the party in the penthouse and ask our guests, what makes for a great party? Can you share with us a story of an event you went to and what made it really great? Oh gosh. Many, many, but I think, I think the mix of, having a really fun time, a really good party and fundraising. Everyone knows why they're there, right? Most people know why they're there. But to um, to respect that donor and that guest and also give them the ability to, in this last event that I was at, had dancing. So what she did was she went out and it was called High Heels for Hope. So the event, she also offered any woman that wanted to take off her high heels pair of flip-flops oh so, <laughs> so good isn't that fun yes and she had dancing you had the dancing glow sticks and she had the flip-flops and people just didn't want to leave people, <laughs> they had the best time so that's one of my one of my favorite experiences is to watch fun along with the ability to fundraise at the same time yep and you can have both right you can like, you can you you want both yes you, you do both. Yes. you do because people when they're laughing and they're having a good time they'll spend they, they know exactly what why they're there and, yep. and they will spend the money but um i think just having it be just a little bit lighthearted too it was a it was an organization that was focusing on suicide prevention and mental health and so it was one of those things that it's time to have a good time it was a heavy subject and, yes yeah and um and they did a very very good job that's great. Well, we often ask folks to head down to the boiler room and ask what is a tool that you think every development director should have. But I'm going to twist this question Ooh. a little for us because you, during the break, were talking to us about a sweep. And so I want to ask you if someone oh, wanted yeah. a fun way to raise funds at their event, an easy way to sort of generate a lot of giving, could you talk to us about the experience you just had with the green paddle? Yes, yes. So, um, so this again was Providence Festival of Trees, a room of close to 600 people. And they were giving, they were, they did so well, were there to give. And so they, I believe they started out at $50,000 and they had two, you know, $50,000 donations. And then, you know, the 25, the 10. And then when they got down to the hundred, so Dale was the auctioneer. So it's difficult for Dale to sweep, to look at a room like that and to record everyone else was recording. Dale, of course, was reading off the numbers. Because often as you go down, participation numbers go up, up, right? As the amounts of the level. So when you're at a hundred dollars, you're in a room of 600 people. You're looking at a lot of paddles. Look at a lot of paddles. And also for the sake of time, Yep. It's toward the end of the event and people are getting a little bit antsy and you don't want to sit there and wait for somebody to call off all of those numbers. So what they did was they had a white paddle and they had a green paddle and their sponsor was going to donate dollar for dollar at the hundred dollar level. And so when Dale got down to the hundred dollar level, he said, I'm sure you all are wondering why you have two paddles. You have one green paddle and one white green paddle is for the $100 donation. So if you would like to donate $100 to the Providence Festival of Trees, raise your paddle and we'll have volunteers collect those. Perfect. And so 
we were running. I ended up being a spotter that night. <laughs> <laughs> recorder, but we, we were running, which I was so happy to do. But um, running and grabbing all those paddles. And then he said it again at the very end. More paddles went up again. Amazing. Went again. And then it makes it so easy, as you're mentioning, to go back and put that into greater giving because all you do is stand, you could bite out the paddles and have working teams saying, okay, you're at the $100 level and they're 165, 149, yep. 132. Yeah. And so that all goes into their receipt at the end of the evening. Well, so it's, I loved that. Yeah. A sweep is such a great tool. I think it's a fun way to end the night. It's high energy and it, it expedites, right? We have limited attention spans these days. So we do. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have brought us a wealth of knowledge as always. And Michelle, we just love working with you. We love partnering with Greater Giving. So I wanted to ask for folks that are a little bit curious now about how to learn more about Greater Giving, where would you direct them? Where could they like get a sort of a details about how they could use Greater Giving? Sure, sure. They could go to our website, greatergiving.com. You can also email me, and I'm just M. Holman, so M for Michelle, H O L M A N at greatergiving.com. If anybody wants the ball of whiskey email, just let me know. Yes. <laughs> to you. <laughs> um, and, then, um, and then I can get you to the correct person if I'm not the correct person that you were, were talking to. But thank you so much for having me. You, you too. I just have so much respect for you. Oh, thank so you. Some, somebody's working when they say they were working with Swain Strategies. I know that they are going to have the most perfect and successful event. Oh, oh that's so generous. Well, um, you do such a good job and you, you, you just know what you're doing. And the one thing I like about you is that you focus on the fundraising and let go of just using this as an example centerpieces that don't bring in anything yes (laughs) yeah you know what works and so that's i think i just think the world of both of you so thank you thank you and and we think it right back your i would just throw out there your level of generosity with your clients and your willingness to run around the room and collect paddles when needed (laughs) or whatever you you're you're focused on the goal of the event as well you're focused on the fundraising of the event as well. And you're really there to support people and get them to the finish line. And it's something we have always appreciated about you and your work. So thank you for all you do. Thank you for all of your volunteering um, in addition to all of that. And um, thanks for just being a great human out there in the world. Well, I feel the same way about you too. We all love what we do. How lucky are we? How How lucky lucky are we? It's true. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. The Fundraising Elevator is produced in partnership with Swaim Strategies at the studios of the AV Department. The program is produced by April Clark and directed by Steve Osborne, with audio engineering and original music by Dwayne Anderson and Heidi Christensen. Video production by Chris Peterson, Whitney Gomes, and Nathan Bouquet. Video editing by Steve Osborne. Graphic design by Pendulum Creative Group. And support from Sophia Keller, John Lyles, and Andy Dowsett.